everybody, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to visit with good friends, to learn something, and to just, you know, be able to share some of the really amazing people, horse people that are out there in the world that we often don't get to hear from because either they're hermits like Bob, or <laughs> their internet connection is poor, or they just are simply busy and don't have the time. So because of the pandemic, it's been a great opportunity to bring these people to you through the series of webinars. And today I am so excited to have Bob Belker back for our third installment. Just remember, you can see the other two webinars on the Sure Food Equine YouTube channel, and we've turned them into podcasts. And those are available on Podbean. You just go to Podbean, put in Wendy Murdoch, and you can listen to the webinars. Bob's are up there. There's two of them. And uh, we'll add this third one when, when this one's recorded. So Bob, I'm so glad that we've been able to get this together and your internet's so steady. It's awesome. Oh, it's incredible. It's the first day, yeah. Yeah, this is great. They worked all morning on it. So I was just frustrated. So, so Bob, in case someone doesn't know who you are, can you just give us a little intro about uh, how you got involved with Horses Feet? Um, well, I... Uh, Went to vet school, then I got my PhD in neurobiology, then I did a postdoc in Galveston, Texas, the Marine Biomedical Institute. And then I went to uh, uh, Columbia University for a little stint in New York, but it was too many people there for me. And then we went to Washington State, and that's a little too rural. Uh, but I got into the horse, or, or I got into the horse because of the nervous system. And then back in the early, 90s, uh, uh, there was issues about innovation with the foot and that sort of stuff, where the nerves were and all that. And uh, and I started, then I realized that the anatomy that were in the textbooks was different than in the horse. So I just like, oh, this is, and so that's how it uh, mushroomed. And now it's since I've been hunkered down as a result of COVID, uh, I finally can have a chance to think and look and see, and it's even more screwed up than what. So I've been doing this and I, I, I kind of uh, brought everything home with me. I have all my bones and that sort of stuff, my slides, and that's the beauty of the COVID uh, uh, is we don't go anywhere. So uh, uh, um, when I don't have anything else to do, I get on my, uh, look at my bones, my scope, and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, and I have a chance to think, which is no politics from the university. Can we just move the camera down just a tiny bit, Bob, because we're staring at the light. Oh, I'm sorry. That? That's okay. There we go. Great. <laughs> yeah. So this is my computer room. If you, I don't know if you can see it. But, uh, we have a log house, and uh, it's nice. So we're yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so it's been here 30 years or so. So it's just, I'm ready to go. Okay. So, uh, so I'll just start up with the screen share. And we've already got some questions, but I think I'm going to let you talk for a little bit before we get to the questions. Okay, okay. okay. So we can get to your, uh, kind of get a feel for what your topic is. Okay. Today. So this here, I want to go fast because uh, with this, it's a short time, I guess, on uh, this internet. Uh, there's so many questions about long toe and under on heels, and most horses are like that. As the more I've looked, you rarely would find a, a long toe, I mean a short-toed horse, that's normal. 
and I don't know what normal is and what it is. This is a man-made uh, condition, and it's how we trim. And basically, uh, that leads to all navicular and it makes laminitis worse and all that sort of stuff. It's we are the culprit. So if you don't shorten the toe, and I'll show you how to do that. And I think I've done that in the past on one of the other webinars. Uh, uh, that's when you start to get into all your, your foot problems. Okay. okay, next slide. Okay, these are uh, the two pictures, same foot. And as a result of, I've been going to Australia for like, 10 to 12 years and we've modified that uh, uh, no no hoof no horse too if you really know the hoof the foot really is you begin to know your horse and that's kind of what it is and what you see on the left well, on the right is a picture of um, this foot it was a teenage quarter horse had navicular clinical signs and they've been worked on it for a number of years to try to get it uh, sound and all that sort of stuff with the traditional sort of pads and shoes and all that sort of stuff and basically what you see is the toe is quite long the heels are underrun and you see the coronet where it's curved down at the caudal aspect that to me is kind of when you see that you know the frog is not on the ground and the central sulcus, is what I always call it it's on the way to the fetlock yeah it's, it means it's, the frog is not working yep. and that's the beginning of the end because when you See, when you start to see this, and we'll go through this, is when you see this long toe uh, condition, it's not only the hoof wall you're dealing with. After, if it's there for any length of time, which most of the time it's there for a long time, the coffin bone elongates as a result of this uh, long hoof. And as a result of that, the coffin bone is actually remodeling to increase the length. And that's when you start to get problematic foot and what you see on the left hand side is the same foot it was like seven or eight months later and the one on the right uh, it was head bobbing lame at a walk and on the left uh, a number of months later you can see that it's much shorter all the white there is the sole okay. we had to we had to get it and it's work in progress you see the, the the coronet is not quite straight yeah but it's getting there Certainly uh, better than this one. Yes, it's, it, even though it's the same horse. Yep. So it's still. So, but oh, the one on the left uh, was rideable with no medication, that, that, and all that sort of good stuff. Okay. All right. So basically, I've said for a long time now that the, you all know what the hoof is, and the hoof is, is like our fingernail, and it's made up of epidermis and that sort of stuff. But basically, it's, uh, it's an exaggeration, but it's a decoration. Okay. So when you, and but unfortunately our husbandry says it's the major loading structure and that's the, the problem because when you load the hoof wall, you are loading basically the hoof wall, but when you start to load the sole preferentially, you start to load different structures and that's kind of uh, what you want in the foot because there's no other mammal or marsupial that walks on their fingernail. Uh, I've been asking people if they can come up with one. I, I had some smart Alex students, but they did came up with one, but they're reptiles. So it's so oh. different. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Next one. So you all know probably have seen pictures like this. And again, the hoof is like keratin is really like your fingernail and has blood supply, which is corium that's supplying nutrition and all that sort of stuff. And then the bone. And if you really get into the, the the different aspects of it. You have the layers 
which is one, two, label one, two, and three across. You've all seen this in textbooks. And basically the hoof wall is mostly just a protective structure. 70, 80% of it's protective and a small amount is for loading, but it's just a, uh, but that's basically what, it, and so what you're doing when you trim the foot, you are trimming this hoof, this external epidermis to change the structures on the inside of the foot. And the, the previous picture, you could actually see that when you started trimming the foot, the foot changes in it. That's why I have always, I've started to say more and more is that you want to trim a little bit frequently. Trimming five, six, seven, eight weeks is too long. And so you have to remove a lot of hoof and the, and the hoof never really recovers from that. But if you, if you trim frequently, you know, three or four weeks and just remove a little bit and uh, uh, you'll get the different structures to change because that's what's the, the energy dissipation and the loading structure because one benefit of COVID since I've been hunkered down of the blood flow to the foot is most of it is destined to the frog in the back part of the foot but the way we're trimming much of it is going towards the toe and that's the problem so okay I'll leave it at that so this is a, uh, a three-year-old racehorse foot and uh, you can see outside is, is a hoof wall and you see that when you have a shoe on uh, you're actually loading the peripheral parts of the you're actually loading most of the weight is going to be on that hoof wall and you're going to affect the foot differently than if you had uh, more of the bottom part of the foot on on the foot and the other thing uh, is it's very difficult i've always believed it's very difficult to keep a very symmetrical foot uh, both medium and lateral front to back uh, if you're loading the hoof wall preferentially that's why there's so many problematic you know, most all the feet I see are a long toe. They they really are. So okay. Uh, all right. On the this foot here is a a feral horse from out west, and if you look at it, you see the frog and the solar surface. You see the hoof wall. There's just a small amount of the hoof that's level with the sole. You see how wide, but it's been worn off around the perimeter of the foot, and. Um, this is on a very hard surface, granola, what I call it, and where, uh, put your black arrow where it was, you see where the, right up where the black arrow is, this is the, the heels, that is actually on the ground, these are kind of low uh, uh, heels, so they're actually, what's actually touching the ground is that area there and around the perimeter parts of the foot, and when you got a, a crushed rock, granola type surface or whatever, the solar surface is actually bearing some of the weight itself. Okay, so that's a, not a bad foot, but the domestic horse, oh, wait, uh, no. the domestic, well, this is a, this feral horse. So, so on, if you put that foot on a hard cement or that feral horse, it would only be the perimeter part of the foot that's going to be bearing weight. And after a while, that horse would develop problems. Okay, what you have here, this here is a, this is when I first started out back in the early 90s at the university. I went to a the equestrian center and I took eight or nine horses and as soon as they got done class they were used all every day for five six seven hours for teaching and when I uh, soon as they started came off the arena before they hit the cement walkway I made an imprint of them and that's what you have on the left okay, okay. And you have around the perimeter park where the dark spot is where they're, they're loading weight and the, the central part of the front that's the part in front of the central sulcus then I took a wire brush and cleaned the foot. 
And that's what you have on the right hand and did the same imprint. And what you have where the, the red ring is, the red ink is, that is the hoof wall. Okay. So you see on, when they're on sand and arena or a mixture of sand, whatever, most of the weight is going to be on some vast aspect of the solar surface. There'll be a small amount on the, uh, the hoof, but it's a very, very small amount of, of the weight. So it's a little bit different than what most people believe. Okay. Okay. And so what this talk is about is how do we get to the long toe? And uh, it's, it's all about us is how we trim. Okay. And a lot of people, they like to trim, you know, seven, eight, nine weeks or whatever, which is too long because I, I always say they're, uh, they're trying to save money, but they really don't save money because they call, call the vet more often as the horse gets older. This, what you have on the left, this is a newborn uh, foal on the left is stillborn. What you have is you have the hoof wall and you just have that white area there is the kind of squid-like material, perionechium. This is almost looks like an upside down cone. Okay, and this, what you have on the right-hand side is a three-year-old racehorse foot. So from the left to the right, how does the foot go from an upside down cone on the left to a right side up cone on the right, okay? It just doesn't grow down from the coronet. It can't, you can't get the foot on the right from the one on the left if it just came down from the coronet. It just, I've tried thinking about it for years, but it's a, uh, uh, so it's, um, you just can't do it. Okay, so the point is, when the foot is growing, it grows in three dimension. Uh, it grows in length, width, and depth, and the key is how does it do it? And once you, I feel if you understand how the foot grows, you'll begin to realize, hopefully learn how to trim the foot, and you should be on your way to having a happy horse. Okay. Okay, so this here, this is the, that, problematic foot. Uh, everyone knows the hoof's, hoof is growing from the uh, hoof wall is growing from the coronet. It grows down. But it also is, grows in width. Uh, uh, it gets bigger in girth. And it's also going to grow uh, from the heels to the, to the toe. So it's growing in three directions as well as the sole is going to grow uh, in, in depth. So he, how does it do that? And as a result of kind of what we've learned how it grows. This is how I, I figured out what the important structures of the foot are, what should be on the ground, what should not be on there. The one on the right here is just by looking, everyone knows you see the central sulcus is open at the back and it's what I call it on the way to the, the fat lock. The heels there are very small and narrow and the frog is long. And the worst thing you can do when you trim the foot is to Trim the frog, neaten the frog. It's the worst thing you can do. And it's not just, I wasn't the originator of that. Veterinarians and farriers back in the late 1800s believed that. They said, under no conditions do you trim the frog or the sole, even thrush. I'm out there with thrush, but it meant they realized that this part of the foot is the most important part of the foot. So how does it get in these three directions? Okay, and this foot on the left is my navicular horse here. It was shot for a number of years, and then they tried uh, corrective uh, shoeing, then they tried barefoot, and it didn't work. So then they usually, in the past, I've usually been called in when they are uh, drawing up the blue juice. So it's, yeah. anyway, okay, next one. 
Okay. This here on the uh, foot on the left, um, it doesn't look that bad, except it's one that's got a long sloping toe. When I see that, I, not, I know that the hoof wall is long and sloping, but also the coffin bone is long and sloping, which means the biomechanics inside the foot is different. It's problematic. And it's got an underrun heel, but you see some blood along the quarter. And when you flip that over, uh, the one on the left kind of disguised the fact that the horse had chronic bouts of uh, laminitis. You can see the apex of the frog is at the, at the toe which means the foot has grown all the way from the back towards the, uh, the front part of the foot. So it's just a, and everyone knows that the hoof wall is kind of, uh, it's not rigid structure, it's not like stainless steel, it's kind of viscoelastic. I always say it's like peanut butter. And if you're a trimmer, if you trim, say the left front and you go around the left rear, right rear, right front and come back to the left front, if you have them on a, a cement or asphalt service, you'll see that the hoof wall is changing uh, just by the time you go around the foot. So it is, it is like peanut butter. Okay. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Because I have other people trying to get into the webinar and I'm just... Oh, okay, okay, yes. okay. So, uh, so we already know that it grows from cornet to ground surface, and but how does it increase in girth? It gets wider, okay? And if it, if, uh, if it just came down from the corner, you could not explain that. Okay, next one. All right, what you see here is you have the question is, the one on the left is a, is a fold, and it goes, it's gotta to get to the one on the right, and how does it increase in girth? And just by looking at those feet, uh, and I, I apologize, I get very critical of feet. It's an old age thing, and I, I can do it, but, Everyone, all the feet I see, they all, both of them have long toes. And as a result of the long toes, people haven't trimmed. So they, you have to come inside the white line. And I think I've mentioned that on the previous webinar. You have to shorten the toe. And you shorten the toe by beveling from the solar surface, not from the dorsal wall. And what you're trying to do is just move the break over from the tip of the hoof wall inside through the white line into the sole. And that will vary depending on uh, how frequently you come and all that sort of stuff. And you can see the central sulcus is open caudally, which means the solar surface is migrating towards the toe. It's, it's this, the one on the left, it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's, uh, it's starting to be a long toe and it's only a fold. So it's just, a, yeah. I scream, but I internally. I don't, that's why uh, when I'm with people and I see all these horses and that sort of stuff, I don't really say much because they would shoot me, they'd throw me in a dumpster and I just kind of, I wouldn't be able to leave. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> all right. So the question is how does the upside down cone get to the right side up cone? Okay. That's where we're going. First of all, next one. All right. And with this here, if you see that right side up cone, that the, if you do a cross section of there on, on the A, the amount of hoof wall, it's a, since it's a smaller circle, it's gonna be smaller uh, uh, amount of horn as opposed to distally, there's gonna be a large amount of How, I'm, I'm trying to get people to think a little bit, it's how do you get to uh, the larger circumference distally if everything came down from the sole? You, you just can't explain it. And if, you, if you're having problems with this, a, a glass of wine helps. <laughs> and then you can Not start the glass, but the wine inside the glass, Bob. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> put the wine inside the glass, or if you know, use a straw if you want. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but it, what it is is the problem with a lot of horse people. Uh, they grew up with horses, and they were uh, uh, got used to the uh, the drink. They just started drinking from the Kool Aid at a very young age, and I can't get that those ideas, those dogmas out of their out of their system. And I, I had the advantage. I didn't see a horse until I went to vet school. So I. Uh, so, so Bob, yeah. let me just kind of see if I got this right. I'm going to go back a slide. You're basically saying that when the foal is born, the top of the foot is wider than the bottom. Bigger, it, got that yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but then we wind up with the bottom of the foot being wider than the top. And so basically the foot is, as it's growing, it's spreading. Right. In, increasing in girth. That's kind of ways as you get older, you increase in girth. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, we, you stop growing in length. But this occurs throughout the length of the horse, the life of the horse. It's just not as a foal or up to five, six years of age or whatever. You know, it occurs throughout the length of the, uh, the life of the horse. And so okay. every time you trim, you're fighting that. You're trying to get the foot back to where it should be. All right. So back to a smaller circumference at the bottom rather than letting it yeah, keep spreading. Right, right, right. Okay. And you're trying to get the foot so it's under the horse. Right. If you won't, if you don't come inside the white line, what it is, the toe gets longer and longer and longer. And I think I have some radiographs later on. When you don't come inside the white line, the fingernail, the hoof wall gets longer. But what it does, it elevates the periosteum. It causes the, the bone to get longer. Right. So all of a sudden, this bone is starting to remodel to the change in the biomechanics. Right. So it gets to be a ski. And that's when you start to get all these problems with the horse's foot. All of, most of the problems with the horse foot are, are us. It's man, they're man-made. Navicular, laminitis is much worse as a result of what we do to the foot. Yep. I know, I know there's some genetic problems, but as a veterinarian, I don't think you can make a living if you just did genetic uh, problems with horses. Oh, Bob, I have to say, I've been working on a laminitic horse and she was not, she was really sore when I started, when we started these webinars and she trotted into the barn the other night on a hard surface looking like a million bucks. Yeah, it's, if you know what's in there, you just adapt, you trim to that to get it better. And you, the horse, and age is not a problem. I mean, granted, it, things will change much faster when they're three, four, five, six, seven, eight years of age, but they will change when they're 20 to 30. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. <clears throat> All right. When a foal is born, this is what you see here, and the bottom is the hoof wall, and you have the uh, epidermal laminar, it's just horny. You see all the feathers around. That's the secondary epidermal laminar. The coffin bone is the dorsal part of the, uh, uh, the slide. What it is, these lamina are, I'll just say it's plus or minus, very similar all the way around the foot because they've only been subjected to the stresses in, in utero. There's not gravity or loading or anything like that. Uh, and once the foal is born and if it's able to get up and move around, the foot has to adapt. It adapts very quickly because it's being loaded now. All of a sudden you have this 250 pound, 300 pound foal that's walking around. So the foot is going to change quite quickly. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, we did, <clears throat> excuse me, we did uh, a lot of folds when I was first looking at it. What you have here, this has been stained on the, again, the bottom, you have the hoof wall and the lamina. What it is, is uh, 
this is that we did everything at the toe basically. And what we saw is they're all very homogeneous. And what happened is within a few weeks of being loaded, uh, the lamina will change. And that's, I think the next slide will start to see that. Okay. What you see here is the hoof wall is on the bottom. You have the dermis where, where the arrows are. What it is is once these folds were started to move around, uh, they were subjected to the environment, but they're also starting to grow in girth. You know, you, you can't separate just uh, the weight bearing versus the, the loading. And what you see here is these uh, up in the upper, the reddish colored one, the lamina are kind of straight and narrow, but after within two or three, four weeks, you start to get these little dimpling at the apex, the tip of the, uh, the primary epidermal, and they, what they're doing is the lamina are bifurcating at the toe. And you see a lot of, it's within three or four weeks, there's a significant number increase in the uh, bifurcations at the toe. And what they're doing is they're bifurcating from top to bottom. And so you're getting uh, an increased number of lamina around the perimeter of the foot. Okay. And what you see, if you look at all these, as they get older at the, the bottom, you can see the, lam the lamina are splitting from apex to all the way down. And the neat thing with this is that if you, if you hold your arms together and you separate them at the elbow, uh, the lamina are going to be on the outside of your hand, your arms. Yep. But what you see very shortly is the lamina will migrate and move in to fill up the inside of the Y. Oh, okay. Did you see what? And these lamina uh, in a live horse or in a horse that's been freshly uh, euthanized or dies or whatever, these lamina are not rigid structures. They're like pieces of wet spaghetti. They're like they're, they are, they're bungee cords. Okay. It's when you see some anatomical um, specimen where the, the, the hoof has been dried, the primary epidermal lamina, are, they appear rigid, but they're not rigid normal thing. It's kind of like in the morning when you make a scramble egg or you have eggs, mm -hmm. you break the egg on the fry pan and you carry it across, you carry it across to the fry pan and dribble egg out. And that's all gooey and everything. But, and if you're kind of lazy and you just go to work and come back, by the time you come back, that egg is dried out. So it's, it's, it's goes from liquidy to uh, something that's more substantive. Just move that's your camera the, up a tiny bit. Cause all we see is from your nose down. What do you want me to do? Move your camera up a tiny bit. Perfect. perfect. That better? Okay, there okay. we go. Okay. <laughs> I was hoping my cat would come here and sit, but she won't. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so what it is, these, these lamina, primary and secondary, are very adaptive to the loads and they're not rigid structures. Okay. And these, I've always likened it these um, secondary epidermal lamina where you see the purple around the, uh, the slide there on the right. They're, yep. they're like grocery bags filled with cells. Okay. You go to the grocery store and you take your empty bag and you buy groceries and you come home. That's what it is. And so the, when you, these secondaries are filled with cells, they're there for what the foot can use it for. Okay. They're not rigid. My belief, they're not destined. Then their primary function is not to be loading the horse because they're fragile structures. You see at the apex, those we'll show you in a minute. There is the most immature cells in this whole uh, part of the foot. So, and, so let me see if I understand this right. Um, <clears throat> the the laminar, uh, the laminar material is coming down on the hoof wall 
and at the top it's less differentiated of the of the this is the prime epidermal lamina this here is per this these lamina which is you see there they are uh, they're uh, parallel to the ground okay so where the red arrows are those red arrows are where most of the immature cells are okay they are very next to the coffin bone they have dermis ah. above that and coffin bone okay okay so it's uh, but they're they're just reservoirs of uh, uh, cells and mother will nature will use those however she can if if there's nothing going wrong if some people have um, Oh, seeing that have horses where they've they've broken off a, a part of the hoof wall, mm -hmm. and it's, it's uh, part of a quarter or whatever. Within a few weeks, that fills in. Right. That filling in is with the cells that have come from these secondaries to fill that gap in. Okay. Right. So so from the coffin bone out, then we have these, these this laminar structure that basically, depending on what's going on in the hoof, they're going to adapt to that. Right, there are the loads and what's not. That's why when you start to look at uh, the histology of the hoof wall, everyone thinks they're the same. They're only the same when they're born because they haven't been subjected to gravity and forces and all that sort of After the horse has been born, all adult horses, when you start to look, most of the lamina are different. Secondary, because horse A, the left foot has been a little bit different than the right foot now. They're all a little bit different. They respond to that. When you get, and it says, this is growing down from the coronet in this case, okay? Right. All right, when it gets to the white line, yep. where the sole meets the, the hoof wall, yep. those secondaries are not wasted. Those secondary epidermal layer that contain cells are not wasted. They will move across the white line and fill in the white line as well, contribute to the sole. Mother Nature doesn't waste anything. Right. Okay, so it does what you have going beyond the hoof wall is just a, the what is called the keratinized uh, part of the epidermis. That's the white part. Yep. Like like in the stain here, the secondaries are colored blue or purple. It's because they have nuclei. They're live. The white part there, this those keratinocytes, those epidermal cells have lost their uh, between the two um, purple areas, two year, uh, you you know that that white area, those that's uh, epidermis has lost their nuclei. That's kind of when you take your fingernail and scrape your your skin. Yeah, it's dead cells. Or you take the bottom of part of the sole of the horse, you scrape it. The white flaky stuff are keratinocytes without their nuclei. Okay. When you use lose your nuclei, you're dead. Right. Okay. Okay. So okay. So, but when you have the nuclei, it means these cells can do anything. They migrate, move, or whatever, and that's kind of what's happening here. Okay. 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 Let's go. All right. So, this is what we did a, a long time ago. But what you have these are just a schematic part of the of the the lamina uh, bifurcating, increasing the, the girth of the of the foot what you have there are two active sites there we believe is the apex and at the bottom and what's happening at the apex is where a lot of the immature cells are that are going to migrate towards the hoof wall make the wall thicker yeah. if you had a shod horse the, quite often as you remove the shoes the wall gets thicker yep it doesn't come down from the corner it comes from the laminar at the, at the near the bottom part of the foot 
So these, these, these cells, in, in, this, in this case here, the dark colored cells there, they yeah. are moving, they're my, because they got the nuclei. Okay, so we, we can get wall thickening from the top and from the bottom. Right. But if you, if you have shoes on, it happens very quick. Go back a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, you hear the racehorse with the, with the, um, with the shoe on. All right, yeah, right here, or, or go back one. No, not the other back, go back the other way. Forward. Forward, forward. Right there, right there. If you, yeah, all right, this is what you have on the left. This is a racehorse, and if you scan down the one side of the foot to the other, where the nails are, you can see the nails. Yep. There, that wall there is going to be thicker because it's being stressed or whatever you want to call it by the nails. And if you can actually, it varies from horse to horse to horse, but quite often uh, this bottom where the nails are, will be thicker all the way around as opposed to proximal part of the hoof wall. So because the, the lamina have, have, have the, divided. The, the, grocery, the grocery bag cells in the lamina are migrating out to fill up the void. Okay. Okay. I agree with, there's not a lot of cell division below the coronet. I agree with most everyone. I, I mean, I've seen other cells, but we're talking one or two cells in a gazillion. It's kind of whoop you do It's not a big deal. Okay. okay. But that's what the grocery bags are for. They're just cells to use uh, of how, my, how the foot is being going to be used for. As we keep going. Now, if, if, you, if you're trimming feet, if, uh, keep going down to where we were. I'm, I'll talk here a minute. You've seen, uh, all right, the next one, okay. If you've seen uh, horses with laminitis and they have a pigmented wall, yeah, uh, the pigment is due to melanocytes, just like in us, it's, it's skin just like us. And if you follow the pigment when this foot is growing out and if it's got laminitis and the hoof, the pigment cells will cross over the white line to the sole and then go forward. Usually, if you're observant and you have trim feet and that sort of stuff, you'll see that. That shows you what, and the pigment cells are just kind of like an inner tube floating on a stream. It goes wherever the growth, is, the flow of the water is. And mm -hmm. so in this case here, it goes with where the, the keratinocytes are moving, migrating. So what it is here, this is just a final f f increase in girth. You have this fold. You have like five or six laminar on the inside. And if they all bifurcate, they bifurcate from coronet to ground, and in a short period of time, you can uh, uh, double the number of lamina, but the foot is kind of twice the size too, all right? So you'll have more lamina, same spacing and all that stuff. It would take you six, seven, eight months if it grew from the coronet. Mother Nature, is pretty, she's pretty smart. Yep. Okay, all right. Okay, so far so good, all right? So that's increasing girth. Let me just see if anybody has, I'm gonna stop share for a second because I can't get to this Q&A and just see if anybody has any questions to this point. Um, that's, that's a different question because there are a couple questions here. All right, is everybody with us? Uh, see, when measuring the foot, do you measure the apex of the frog to the white line or the wall, the front of the wall? I, I measure it to the, the tip of the wall. Because on a, 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 a foot that's flat on the ground and the hoof wall is the front part, the the front edge of the uh, hoof would be the breakover, mm -hmm. and that gets, and if you got a long toe, that's kind of the horse is walking on a ski. Right. Okay. So if you start to bevel from the solar side, 
you do a Mustang roll if you simply speak, or through the hoof, hoof wall, you'll bring the breakover back a little bit. Right. If you start to trim through the white line very superficially, which I demonstrated before, you can break, move the breakover back a great distance without really removing a lot of the sole part of the foot. That's the advantage, as opposed to doing it from the dorsal side. Right. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the point of all. Okay. All right. Um, we've had some questions about sound. Bob sounds fine at my end. So, um, is my, my, having my bad? My bad? Well, I, I hear you just fine. I mumble, um, but it's just. Um, but I'm going to go back to screen share here, and I've got somebody struggling to get on. So, I'm going to kind of take care of that if I can. Okay. But this, this diagram here that shows how the foot will increase in girth without, uh, uh, and it does it very fast, uh, it's, it's, it's growing. But the same thing always happens is when these, most of the time when these folds are born, the foot is plus or minus symmetrical. And I mean that because, not to offend anybody, but none of us are symmetrical. Okay, no. and so everyone talks about the uh, uh, steep and sloping side of the foot, flared side of the foot. That's an environmental thing most of the time. Okay, and it's okay. just uh, and what it, and what you have is, we'll sh I'll show you is that the flared part of the foot is going to be a greater part of a circle. There's going to be more laminar on that side of the foot. Oh, okay. Okay, so this that that's kind of the same thing. There's some basic what I'm talking about with this foal here growing. It's not just the foal, but those are the basic mechanisms that the horses use to adapt to loading, stresses, shoeing, trimming. That that that's how it adapts. Those are just basic mechanisms how the foot can respond to injury or whatever. Okay, next okay. one. Okay, so this here is uh, just to show you when the, these are uh, pictures of, of three different feet. Uh, and as you look at though, there'll be a, a steep and flared side. And it's usually most of the time it's uh, the medial side inside is going to be a little bit steeper than the laterals. But a lot of that is just the trimming, how the horse is being moved and all that sort of stuff. And what it is, the biomechanics are different there. Uh, like on the medial side, there's going to be a... a the more perpendicular load on the inside as opposed to the flared side and the and the not only the hoof wall but the bone changes the frog and the lateral car everything changes as a result of this loading so you start to see a, an abnormal foot and the same thing here and the one on this is a a three-year-old racehorse foot is not a bad foot it's thereafter it changes how we enter how, how we destroy the foot and as you can see here you can see at the bottom half of this hoof wall where it's flared, uh, the wall is bulging out a little bit on this mm -hmm. racehorse over. That wall is thicker as due to where the nails were. So those extra thickness of the wall, those keratinocytes have come from the secondary epidermal lamina. They haven't grown down from the, the coronet. Okay. Okay, okay. So again, though the lamina there are just grocery bags full of cells and mother nature uses them however she needs. Okay. So, so when you, the trimming is very important. So when you trim, you'll, you'll alter the, uh, the loads and stresses. And when you do that, the foot, both hoof wall, as well as the internal parts of the foot will change. Like on this steep and flared side of the foot, if you look at the lateral cards, on the lateral cards will be on the steep side, it'll be thicker than it is on the, the lateral side. So you, you're, 
you you affect the biomechanics on the inside of the foot. How you trample? Okay. Okay. Next. Uh, let's get there. there. Okay. Okay. All right. This I did with uh, uh, Dr. Lisa Lancaster. Uh, is we started to count lamina, and basically what we found is uh, uh, the lamina around the foot will be different. It changes from the toe all the way around the quarters, and depending if the foot is flared or steep. And the third part of that is, I think my first talk, I talked about um, uh, the lateral cartilage, the thickness and the, the fibrous tissue, the, the fascia inside the foot will change if it's being stimulated. When you, and if, when it's being stimulated, it means the back part of the foot can have more support, more, uh, provide more loading structures and all that sort of stuff. It takes uh, more of the load off the hoof wall. Okay, so what it is, the, the white lines uh, you see there, they're the same length, and this is a racehorse foot at the toe, and if you, we, what we did is we counted the lamina across the toe, and as you get off to the midline, the same length, there are fewer lamina there, which means they're, one, the lamina are gonna be a little bit thicker, but also the dermis in between the lamina are going to be uh, greater to carry more blood vessels and all that sort of stuff, and if, where the, uh, the, the 12 o'clock and 10 o'clock, I refer to a clock on a, on the dial on a clock, the 10 o'clock. Yep. These racehorses all had toe grabs. Ah. A horse with toe grabs, the lamina are going to be closer together. Okay. And that's, uh, and one step further, uh, many of you know what the crenner is, the crenner, it's C-R-E-N-A. It's where the two halves of the foot come together. There's a little divot at the toe. Yep. Uh, maybe at the end, we can go back to the first slide. I showed you those uh, long-toed horses. You'll always see the crenna. Yep. And one, the problem with that, that means when you see the crenna, it means the toe is too long. And two, it means the, there are a lot of primary epidermal lamina in that crenna, more than adjacent parts of the foot. And that's when you see more epidermal lamina there, it's um, it's going to be a softer horn, and that's why uh, bugs from the barnyard get in there, and that's where CD toe comes from and all that sort of stuff. It's just due to the, the anatomy. If you know your anatomy, you know everything. Okay. Okay. We're trying, Bob. We're trying to learn our okay, anatomy. Okay. <laughs> so, so what it is, if you follow the, what we did is we, I think the next slide will show that we, we followed, oh, uh, we took, let me go one more somewhere. Keep going one more, but we'll come back. All right, what we did is we took uh, these 18 three-year-old racehorses and we cut them like a chip of coins and we've uh, put these needles in at the crenner, that's the, we're at the 12 o'clock position. Mm -hmm. And we counted uh, uh, 25 laminar either side of that and then we went to 50 uh, laminar all the way around the foot, okay? And what we found is uh, on the flared side of the foot, as you can see this one here, it's going to be flared on the, uh, uh, yeah, on the right-hand side of the, of the, of the foot. Here. This is going to be the lateral side. What it means is the, the, what you see at the toe here on the right-hand side at the one o'clock position, that space there has 50 lamina. And on the left side of the foot, that's, uh, to that needle to your right, uh, is also has uh, 50 lamina, but that closer together. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, if I got this right here. Oh, oh, yeah, they're, uh, and what it is when they're, oh, yeah, well, they're, what it is when they're closer together, they are stressed. So on this, what you have here at this, at this uh, 11 o'clock position, there are uh, more lamina there because the space on the right-hand side from one to two o'clock, they're further apart, it's got 50 lamina there. And as you follow, follow it around down to the bottom, uh, you got between those last two needles, you'll have 50 lamina on the right, but you'll have 50 lamina on the left uh, there. And that's on the left-hand side is a steep part of the foot. If I got this right. Okay, yeah, so steep part of the foot. And on the right, the lamina are closer together. You still got 50 lamina. And when they're closer together, you're going to have left blood supply and all that sort of Okay, and so let me see if I got this right. You, you looked at, the, you put needles in every 50 lamina? Every 50 lamina out of beyond the, the, the 12 o'clock position. Right. So, the, so it's 50 lamina between 12 o'clock and 1, 50 lamina between 1 and 2, 50 lamina, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But our needles are getting further apart on the steep side. They're getting further apart on the steep side because there's more tissue in between it. Got it. More tissue, the, the primary is going to be thicker and there's going to be more blood vessels there. Got it. And that was the steep side of the foot. So there's right. lamina are further apart. There's more tissue and more blood. Right. Left side was the flare. There's... On uh, the flared side, things are stressed. So things are going to be closer together. It's like a callus. Got it. Okay. And so what you have here, and this is a, a foot, everyone who trims, it's the, uh, uh, the problematic parts of the foot is the underrun heel. Yep. And the diagonal across it. What you have here, you have this... Uh, at five o'clock position on the right-hand side and the 11 o'clock position on the uh, left-hand side. Those are the problem parts of the foot where the lamina are closer together. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, go, you can go back up again, see the other side. And so, so when you get a glass of wine, you can ask the person across from you, if you have, when the lamina are closer together, why is it that we need to have the lamina uh, being the primary supporting structure of the foot. I never get a good answer, but that's, that's something. Do it among friends, okay? <laughs> okay, so what you see here at the toe, you can actually see the, the line to lamina there and you have the dermis and the white uh, the, uh, area there is below that is the, the bone. Wait, on the top are, we, are we talking about the center picture, the drawing? The center, center picture. Okay. Of, of the real life picture, okay? And to the left there, it's off at, um, uh, the 10 and two o'clock period yep. is you could, if you follow the lamina along that arc, yep. somewhere where the red arrow is, it starts to change. Just move, you know, if you move your eyes back, you'll see it starts to, they get further apart. Correct. Because the loading force is, and the here further apart. They're, they're further apart between the, the red arrow and the top. Here, of this the picture. They're, 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 The lamina are closer together. Correct. Okay, good. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. So what it means when they're closer together, you're going to have, uh, they're going to be thinner and they're going to be less about supply supporting it and all that sort of, that's kind of my rationale. So these wider, thicker lamina have more blood supply. They're, they're healthier. They're healthier and they can do whatever they need to do. Support some of the weight. They don't support all the weight. When you have a horse that's supporting all the weight, there's going to be more stress there. And that's why I think these, the epidermis is like a callus. When you go to chop wood, you get a, a, a callus. 
Right. That's what happens with these lamina. Now, when you put a nail in or whatever, you can always see or clip. Yep. You can, uh, the lamina are going to be closer together where you see the clips. It's a stressed part of the foot. So when the foot is stressed, it starts to put the lamina closer together, and that's where you can tell the stress points are. That's going to be, yeah, whether it's clinically relevant, that will vary from foot to foot too, but there's, there's a stress part of it. So I want my horse where the lamina are, are not concentrated at the toe, but they're spread around. Right. Okay. And I've, most of the time, they're, they're concentrated at the toe significantly compared to the other parts of it because one, you've got a long toe. You've yep. got a ski as opposed to a short, but also if you've got a toe clips and all that sort of stuff. And to go back to when we, the webinar we did for the first time, the back part of the foot, the lateral cards, frog and that sort of stuff has been atrophied. So right. that's why they're going to be, uh, they're going to put more weight on that foot at the toe as opposed to the back part. When you have a big frog that's healthy, da, 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 all this sort of stuff, you don't see the increased density of laminar at the toe. Okay, so if we were talking about the absolutely ideal world, we would see that the lamina was perfectly evenly distributed with nice spacing all the way around the foot. Most the of the way all the way around the foot, yeah. Yep, but we just, you know, that's in like, would be an absolutely ideal world. And of course there are stresses and not everybody's foot is perfectly symmetrical. But the more stresses, that's where the foot starts to adapt and change. Yeah. Got it. The, the foot is always adapting. It's throughout the life of the horse. You've got a 40 year old horse in trim that foot will change. Right. Okay. All right. Next. Yeah. All right. So this is kind of what we did, which I just showed you. Just restate it since I'm paying attention now. Is we took uh, these these feet. We did 18 racehorse feet, three or racehorse feet, same state and all that sort of stuff, and we marked them with 50 lamina all the way around. And we found where the lamina were closer together, or at the toe and on the uh, flared side of the feet, they were closer together at the uh, one and two o'clock position, the yep. diagonal opposite, they're closer together. Yep. That's the, that's the underrun. The, the lower right here is the underrun heel. And those are the problem parts of the foot. Okay. 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 All right. Keep going. And this is kind of the, the same thing. You can see where the arrow, the lines are, they're the same number of laminar. And you can see there's a, there's a big difference. Uh, right. There. Well, the closer together, they're the steeper. Because again, from my perspective, when they're laminar closer together, it's like uh, two sheets of paper. And when they're closer together, the blood supply has to go all the way down the length of the paper. So it has less blood supply supplying the cells along the lamina. And that's, we're setting the horse up uh, uh, for a bout of laminitis. It's going to be worse than a shod horse. Okay, so. Um... So this is the steep part of the foot on the the one on the left. It's, it's just it's just been flipped over. I think it's the same foot just been. Flipped oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. That helps me. Yeah, I was like a little. Confused. Where the steep is, they're going to be further apart. Compare where the steep is. Compare that between the two um, brownish needles. They're yep. closer together on the left. Yep. And what you see here on the uh, left, down at the uh, heels, the last two uh, needles are further apart compared to the ones on the right. Yep. Okay. okay. Moving okay. on. But but that's the uh, environment, and this is just all this, you know. The next one is just uh, all statistics and da, 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 and the next okay. what you have here. Let me just see the, if there's any questions here that are. Uh, uh, 
Nope, they've sorted it out. They were talking about Krenna. Okay. Yeah, where the where the toe is, it's the, they're closer together at the, uh, the lateral part, and they're going to be the heel are going to be uh, significantly closer together on the under on heel. Just what the other thing said. Okay. I did this 20 years ago, so it's a little slow. <laughs> okay, so this here not only does the hoof wall change, but the underlying bone changes depending on uh, uh, how it's being loaded. What you have here, this is just a, uh, you can do with modeling, is the different colors of bone density. The purple there is the, the least dense bone in this coffin bone. The red is the most dense, okay? And what you okay, had here is the red. Right, just to point it out for those people that were asking. The purple there, that's where there was a toe clip. Oh. Okay, that's going to be the least. And on the left-hand side is purple there. That's the lateral side of the coffin bone. Okay, so and this also, is the right front coffin bone. Yes. Okay. And that's and on the right front, uh, on the uh, uh, the lateral quarter is going to be where the lamina are going to be most dense because they're stressed. But the bone is just the uh, the bone is just a. You have to think about it as opposed to just memorizing it. But it's a, whether any sort of pressure you put on that hoof, uh, it will change the underlying bone. So, it, so in a way, is the lamina getting closer together because it's trying to make up for bone that's thinner and less strong? I've never got that far. I haven't drunk that much wine yet. Okay. All that, all that. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's what you could argue. But, but again, if you start to unload the wall, relieve the stresses here, the bone will start to get better. It'll start to get denser. Right. It's just, and the it's, lamina will start to get further apart. Yeah, yeah. It'll take time, but the, the bone is the most important thing because the other thing with this, if uh, I've had 43 year old racing quarter horses all from one state, five racetracks. And I got, and so it's a very homogeneous population in terms of racehorse feet. Da, 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 okay. It got really close to your mic and it got fuzzy. But, okay. Is there that better? better? Okay. Uh, after a while, I get I get excited and I start to mumble. But I know. basically, these forty-three-year-old racing quarter horses are very homogeneous population. And then, uh, as I looked at all my other uh, quarter horses' feet, the bones started to be different. And what it was is the toes got longer from a certain two different points. Okay. And what it was from where the DDFT attached to the tip of the coffin bone. They were, I'll just say, 30 millimeters in like these three-year-old racing quarter horses. Thereafter, up to when you got to a teenager or older, that same distance from the DDFT to the tip of the coffin bone was between 40 and 50 millimeters versus That's 30. A lot. That's a lot. And so what it was over the years, the biomechanics of that foot changed. And also the bone density of those older horses got worse and worse and worse. And that's when you start to get... Uh, about 40, they were all navicular, okay? Yep. And it's, so this is, starts to occur very young at age, is how we trim. I can't emphasize that enough. It, it's not a genetic disease, it's how we trim. So we have a, I have a question here, and I'll just ask it now, and if it's, if it's something you're gonna talk about later, then we'll leave it. But the question is, why does my barefoot horse's sole get a lip or swell on the toe from 10 to two inside the white line, and how should I address it? I would say once you got a long toe, okay? And basically what that is, is uh, I, once I've looked, if I'm 
looking at, I've seen most of them, it's kind of, that's where the foot wants to have the breakover. Okay. A lot of people think you, you can't trim those because they, they, they trim it off initially, remove it at once, and then um, uh, the horse is kind of uncomfortable. But if you rasp that uh, solar ridge or crescent-shaped area with a rasp to the level of the, of the hoof wall, then come back uh, a week later and rasp a little bit more. After two or three times, you can re reduce that to eliminate it and then start to trim into that point. That's where breakover wants to be. Uh, that makes sense. Called a toe callus. Is toe that callus, right? toe callus. Yes, fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I've got another question I'm going to ask you while we're taking a little break. Is during your previous talks, you talked about not touching the sole when trimming and only rasping the toe such that the sole can maintain contact with the ground. What are your thoughts about a hoof that's very flat or even convex as opposed to concave? Oh, there's something wrong with it. It's uh, the 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 convex is kind of a, it's a happy foot it's sore uh, uh she's not saying whether it's oh, sore oh, or not oh, but like okay. my horse is very flat in his sole and he's been soul sore if it's been all right um the bone inside is changing at the same time so the bone has become more uh uh flat itself how is the frog He's not sore, she says. Okay, how is uh, so the Lisa, frog? How's the, how's the frog? Just type it in the chat. Big, small, atrophied, or does it have one? Uh, she hasn't typed in yet. Oh, uh, he's not sore. He's a frog that's big and wide. And that's kind of like my horse, Allie. He's got a big, fat frog, but not a very much cup to his soul. Hmm, I don't see very many of those. But the, the frog... <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the frog, uh, the frog should be kissing the ground. You shouldn't have any pressure on the frog. That's yep. a question to you. Well, well he's barefoot, yes and um, so he, you know. Okay. I mean, his, frog, his frog's always. Whenever I've had him, where he can leave an imprint, there's always an imprint of his of his frog. It, it should kiss the ground. Uh, yep. It doesn't like pressure. So this frog is not closed at the heel. She's saying. It, the, foot, the foot is too long then. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, just, I mean, just a, so, so you semi, by beveling those underneath the, the sole at the toe between tenant, if you, you can gradually get that toe back and you'll see, you get the toe back, but at the same, you got to bring the heels back. You'll see that frog will come forward and that's going to take over more of the support and all that sort of stuff. Not the frog, but the blood vessels inside, the, the fascia inside is going to do it. Right. Okay, uh, the berries, 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 right. I have a, somebody has a question in the Q&A. Let me just check that one. Um, I'm having trouble getting to the Q&A when I've got the screen share on. So let me just stop the share for a second. Um, all right, we're going to ask these questions and then we'll go on. We'll just kind of a little Q&A break. Um, when you talk about the destruction of the inner structures of the foot due, due to vibration, are you referring to vibration from metal shoes exclusively or vibration in general from the ground, hard ground, et cetera? It's, it's from everything, but all of the vibration is going to be greater if you have metal shoes on asphalt cement versus metal shoes on, on sand. So there'll be a range, but... Uh, the more, I believe it's all the vibration that's doing it because they've shown that like carpal tunnel syndrome and that sort of stuff, a lot of it's vibration. Uh, 
So how do you right. feel about the vibrating plates that they stand people on, horses on? It depends on the frequency. Okay. Uh, I, when it's a low frequency stuff is therapeutic, it causes vessels to dilate, but I forget exactly when you get above, it's been a while, four of uh, 500 hertz or something, 400 hertz or something like that. The vi That's when the, they've shown that causes constriction of the vessels. So you get the opposite effect. You get the opposite. And that's what happens with uh, construction. When I learned, I first went to Sweden six, seven years ago. Uh, construction workers, they had a law that already uh, uh, work healthy uh, edicts. They said that uh, construction workers could only use a jackhammer for no more than 30 minutes a day. This was five or six years ago. Because wow. they're aware of what the vibration would do to the vessels in their hands and wrists. Two years ago when I went there, it had been reduced to 15 minutes. Wow. So they're very, and that's kind of what a lot of the stuff is. And that's what happens with them. And so they've, they've shown experimentally, if you vibrate, a, they use a rat tail as their model because there's a, a single artery that goes the length of the tail. If you subject that to 15 minutes, I think it is exposure of that. So I think it's 400 hertz. So I don't, don't quote me on that, but it's not very much. That rat tail, 15 second exposure with that 400 hertz, that rat tail will remain constricted. The artery will remain constricted for three days. Wow. So that's, and they've shown with horses with shoes on uh, cement or asphalt, their vibration is like 2,500 to 300, 3,000 hertz. Wow. So it's, it's, it's there, and so it does, it does damage. Okay, next question. Are you familiar with the radius rasp as an owner who will probably never master a standard rasp to bring back the toe just a bit between farrier visits? Uh, she's talking about a radius rasp. I don't know that I know what that is. I assume it's some sort of curvature. Yeah. That's about, no. Uh, uh, um, there is one that I had that kind of goes around so you can put that Mustang roll on. Um, I'm, that may be But, but again, the, what I've learned as the last five or six years without these navicular horses I've been doing is, is if you bevel, like I say, between 10 and two or a little, little bit more, uh, every few days, just to, just to short, get, it, get inside the white line, and then when you do that, you go through the white line. You're, not, you're only taking a fraction of a millimeter. Right. But, but you're, you, you'll, you'll begin to shorten the toe, and you'll see the frog increase in size, and the central circles come back on the ground. Yeah, she says it goes around the edge horizontally. But, but you know, basically anything that's going to take that toe back between 10 and 2, you're saying, is, is a good thing to, as maintenance. Kind of like filing our fingernails. Your fingernails, yeah. And you, you'll see you're doing good is that the central sulcus will come, start to close and it's coming forward. Right. And the point of all this is that why you don't, shouldn't touch the frog is the tubules inside the frog in front of the central sulcus. Okay. They are two, three times greater in diameter than tubules of atrophied horses. Frogs of atrophied horses, not, not atrophied, uh, you know what I mean? Yep. Frogs, atrophied frogs of, of other horses, or the ones that are on in the ground. Okay. And they're full of small micro vessels. So far, so good. So if you do remember when you were in school, you're the, the volume of a cylinder, it's pi r squared times the height. Yep. Okay. And what it is, the pi r squared is a critical thing. There'll be nine to 15 times more blood going through those frogs that are on the ground that are large than the ones that aren't on the ground. 
And that's what's dissipating the energy. So we could almost think of the frog as like a heart and you've got to make sure it's getting sufficient blood through that heart of a frog to supply the foot. Okay. And well, all right. Mother Nature's designed that foot so most of the blood flow is going through the frog. Right. However, or but, humanoids have gotten into it. So we don't trim the f inside, we don't trim the foot so it's inside the, uh, the white line. Too many people neaten the frog, we make it smaller so the tubules get smaller in diameter and that sort of, so our ways of supporting the foot, internal parts of the foot and all that sort of, are getting reduced in the frog. Because that frog, when it's large, is directly underneath the navicular apparatus. Right. Okay, next question, and then we're going to go back to your slideshow. Um, uh, why is the sole of my horse around the toe area growing a... Oh, wait, we did that one. Never mind. I do have one other one, though. Um, uh, somebody's asking about power tools on hooves. You know, there's some people are using grinders now to, to do... If you're good, okay. I don't know. It's, not it's, hard, it's hard work. I agree it's hard work, uh, especially if you do it for a living. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to the other... Okay, you back... You've got to pay attention to what you're doing, Yeah. No, I, I've gotten very fit trimming three horses, okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but they're in good right. shape. <laughs> so, but, but this coloration here will vary from bone to bone to bone to bone, depending on how the foot is being loaded, okay? And the younger foot, the red area, the, the, the uh, extensor process is very dense in bone, and you want the, uh, the back part of the, of the bone to be red, as opposed to the way it is. Because this means here, this bone is getting longer and longer. But this is only a three-year-old racehorse, so it's it's young. It's it's going down the tube fast. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Radiographs. This is kind of how it is. This is uh, you've all seen this before. You know where P1, P2, P3 is in the vehicular horse. You follow the dorsal cortex of the coffin bone, black hair going. You see the very tip. You see a little slipper toe. Yep. That is because. The hoof wall has been long. It's, it's longer than normal. People are afraid to come inside the white line. So when it gets to a certain point, it starts to elevate the periosteum off the coffin bone. Okay. And unbeknownst to us, when as soon as it's elevated, bone fills in underneath that per elevated periosteum. So if you take a radiograph today, you'll see the slipper toe. Then you come back in uh, January of next year and take another radio, you won't see the slipper toe. What has happened is the bone has filled in underneath it. So that coffin bone has gotten longer, but what is happening, all the rest of the bone is remodeling to that increased length. It's like going from a, a short stubby ski to a foot longer ski. Mm -hmm. And if you keep doing that over the years, that's when you get these uh, what I've mentioned, these three-year-old racing quarter horses where the DDFT attaches to the coffin bone, and from there to the tip of the coffin bone, it's, it's 30 millimeters, plus so or minus a fraction of a millimeter, in these three-year-old racing quarter horses. So if I was get on the, on the X-ray, the DDFT, is that attaching where my arrow is right now? No, keep coming down. This, uh, uh, where my thumb is, <laughs> my finger. Keep, <laughs> going to, keep going to your left. My left. A little, just a little bit right in there. That's where the DDFT would attach. That's the semi-human line. Oh, okay. So from there to the tip of the coffin bone, it's 30 plus or minus fraction of a millimeter in these 40 feet. Very homogeneous. Okay. From thereafter, as the horse ages, it will vary, but it'll get up to 40 and I mean 50 millimeters 
yeah. from that same point, but the, the, the same size foot. Okay. It's not a big foot, but it's the same size foot because they're all quarter horses I've been measuring. So, it's, and then all of a sudden when it gets to be a, this gets uh, a long toed coffin bone, that's, they're all navicular horses. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Keep going. So I've done some, all right. So what you see here, you see the one on the left, you see the slipper toe is there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's the uh, same thing here. It's a different foot, I think. You keep going. And what you see here, this is just highlighting it up more. And you see on the right-hand side, it's, it's very, um, fairly dense bone, but to see, you see the slipper toe. Yep. And what you see on the, uh, uh, the left one here, uh, and it's, it's more fuzzy. Yeah. Because bone is being laid down. Uh, okay, so then what it is, so if you drew a line from uh, where that tip is, up to the above the where the squares are, that is where the periosteum is. And what's going to happen is underneath that black line, oh, well, that's a black line. Uh, it's not. It's not going to be. It's going to be a straight line from where the tip of the bone up to where the black line crosses the bone. Okay. That's going to fill in with bone. Ah. Uh, so the uh, the real toe is going to be longer. Got it. And what what happens is that changes all the the structure of the inside of the bone. So that starts to remodeling instead of being very dense and strong, it starts to become osteoporotic. Because it, it's, it's, it's more the load is being the same amount of bone, bone becomes more porous, weaker bone. Yeah, it becomes weaker because the load is going out towards the toe. So it's, it's not being reinforced. Exercise is the work. All right. I think I have another one here. Oh, okay. And this is, see, this is kind of what I was just, where the red line is here, I'm sorry, it was red. Oh. Where the red line, that is going to fill in with bone. So a year and a half, you can take a radiograph, you look, you don't see the slipper toe up. You think you've, things have gotten better, but what it is, things have gotten worse because the bone has been filled in. The bone has hasn't grown in width, but uh, the trabecular inside the bone has gotten smaller, thinner, greater spaces, da 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 da, da. It's, it's, it's setting the foot up for problems, whatever comes down the road. Right. Okay. All right. This here is just an example. These are three-year-old racing quarter horse on the right, and this here is the another older quarter. I forget what it is. Fifteen-year-old uh, on the left. With a neat, good thing with PowerPoint, those red lines are the same angle and that sort of stuff. You can just take it from one to there. You see how that toe is increased in length. Yeah. On the left hand, and it varies from foot to foot to hood depending on who's trimming. Yep. If you got someone who's trimming inside the white line and all that sort of stuff, it will stay closer to this one on the right, as opposed to uh, uh, the one on the left. Those people, so when you have shoes on, the problem with shoes is the trimming in the time interval between changing the shoes gets longer and longer and longer. So the toes get longer and longer and longer faster. Right. It's it's us. Okay. And, but you can keep the one on the left, uh, you can keep the foot on the right if you want to change it short intervals. I've only seen four horses that way with shoes. Now we're in their 20s. Uh -huh. This is where you need a glass of wine, all right? So you, you have to, because it, it changed, we have to change how we trim these feet. Right. And a, a lot of these problems that we see clinically are man-made. 
Okay, okay, keep going. Uh, uh, all right, all right. Now, how does the hoof wall get thicker? As I mentioned, it grows in length, proximal to this though, and we're talking about the girth of the foot, the bifurcating laminar and all that sort of stuff. Now, as everyone knows that if in a full foot, it's very thin at the toe, as opposed to up, but everyone thinks it's just growing down. Okay. And if it just grew down, you'd have a, say, a thin point. The hoof wall will be thinner and say in the distal half of the coffin bone will be thicker at the proximal half. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks that thick part is just going to grow down where the thin part is. But the problem with that is that's going to take, say, six months to do. The right. horse is going to gain weight, and it means that the distal part of that hoof, bottom part of it, is going to be over, overloaded with an increase in weight and all that sort of stuff. So it doesn't happen that way. Okay. But we don't see it. Okay. So what I'm going to show you is that going back to the lamina now, I mentioned the bifurcating and all that sort of stuff. The cells, the secondaries are just grocery bags filled with cells. They're going to make that wall thicker before, you know, within six to eight months. Okay. Okay. The next one. All right. So what we are, this is just skin, just basic biology. This is a pad of a, dog or human or uh, soles of our feet or palms of our hands where the superficial part of the skin is very thick and it's thick because it has to you, friction and rubbing off and that sort of stuff and what we have where the purple is you see the purple it's just like with the hoof uh, the uh, there's more nuclei that are there when there's more nuclei these cells are alive and they can move and migrate and divide and all that sort of stuff and where we have our soles and palms are dog pads, kitty pads and all that sort of stuff. It's a, a greater surface area so these cells can divide and fill this up and make this thicker without uh, uh, having a, uh, it, it gets thicker so it can be worn off uh, before, uh, uh, without changing the rate of division, cell division. I didn't say that right. But if, if, if you didn't have these little increased surface area at the bottom, the where the uh, SB is, SS, where they didn't have those, you'd have to have a very high rate of, of cell division along where the germinal cells were formed. This is how Mother Nature is, is modified that. It just increased the surface area. So when it gets up here, it'll slowly wear the, the hoof pad off or the our palms of our hands, soles of our feet. The horse's foot does the same thing, okay? Okay. Are you thinking, I can't remember what the next one is. Yep. We'll find out. All right, all right. This is just a high power, but you can see all the blue there. That's all nuclei. And so these cells are dividing. They're moving up the blue. And when they get to the light reddish area, they've lost their nuclei. And so then they can be scraped off. They're dead cells. Once you lose the nuclei, you're dead. Okay. So, okay. So this area here, it's, it's, these guys are multiplying and they're moving up. And then this is your callus up here. And it's right. thicker because it's got increased amount of wear. So it just okay. makes it. That, that's, that's a... Palms of our hands, uh, it's callus, dog pads, kitty, kitty cat pads. But if, if you didn't have this increased surface area or these uh, 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 peaks of cells growing down and developing into the uh, tissue and growing up, you'd have to, the only way to do that is to have along where the border is cells that rapidly divided. Then you get into cancer, that's what cancer is. Cells are rapidly dividing, that sort of stuff, okay? So basically, because you have these fingers down here, you have more cells with nuclei that can produce more cells to- A greater surface, more cells, yeah, okay. okay the same you. thing happens in the horse's foot, so I'm trying to get at. Well, I'm thinking that's starting to look like lamina. <laughs> well, that's good, okay. 
you can have your reward you with a glass of wine when we're done. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. The same thing happens with the horse's foot. The difference is uh, these white lines I'm going to show you are three different, four different levels. The lamina there are, uh, where the secondaries are, they, the one function of lamina is opposed to the, the previous slide of palms of her hands, soles of her feet, dog pads, cat pads, is you need to produce tubules. Yep. In the horses. And what it is, the tubules are important. They're not iron bars and cement because if, if some of you have um, worked with horse feet, trim them and that sort of stuff, if you have an opportunity to uh, uh, come across a dead uh, foal foot, yep. Okay. Just put it in uh, water and watch it. You'll see the tubules will actually float off. After oh. a couple of days or so, and they're they're like wet pieces, wet pieces of spaghetti. Wow! They're not they're not iron bars. They're not rigid structures. Right. They're only rigid structures when they dry out again. Okay. Right. That's what I mentioned before. Okay. All right. So I think the next yeah. So what you have here on the left, you have a full foot, and you have this uh, uh, one that's cut. And if you took sections at A, B, and C on the left, what you'd expect histology, you'd have. Uh, uh, it's thicker at A, so you expect maybe you have uh, primary epidermal lamina that are longer, the hoof wall would be thicker. At B, it'd be intermediate, and at C, you'd have a very thin wall and short lamina. That's what you would expect, right? right. That, that's also what you get, okay? However, what you see down here at the bottom in C, you see there's more uh, uh, darker colors, Yep. more reddish as opposed to approximate. Well, it's, they're stained differently, but that's kind of, but you see there is more around the, the secondary epidermal lamina as opposed to the, the proximal part of it. What's gonna happen, the grocery bags that are down here in C still have their cells. What I'm gonna show you is these cells are gonna come out of the secondaries and they're gonna go towards the hoof wall. Okay. They're gonna make the hoof wall thicker. And compared to A, it's already happened at A. And that's, that whole process is moving down the foot. So, so these grocery bags you're talking about, the secondaries, they're, they're there at A, but they're not needed? They've are, the wall is already thick. They've already, you've emptied your grocery bag. You've come home and you've emptied uh, your grocery bag. And here, what it is, the grocery bags are going down through B. And when you get to C, they haven't been used yet. So you, you've just gotten home and your grocery bag, you haven't emptied it. And that's why it. the wall is thinner. Got okay. it. And if this, to go one step further, if this, all that happened at the coronet coming down, you'd have this ridge coming down the hoof wall, and you don't see that. Right. Okay. It's all happening on the inside of the foot, which you don't see. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. These next four things are slides are the same lamina from proximal to distal. What you see here, this is proximal uh, uh, under the microscope. What you see, all the, the purple there are nuclei. Right. And what it is there, there are a fair number of nuclei, but the cell, cytoplasm of the cell is extremely small. They're immature cells. Okay. Okay. And so what's happening as they go down from proximal to distal, the maturity of these cells start to increase. They'll, they'll become more mature, so they get bigger. Okay. Okay. All right. And I'm going to show you, and just go back, go back one. All right. You see the little white lines in the... Uh, uh, in the middle of the, of that lamina. The, Where my pointer is? 
dorsal, go, go, go towards the top, and go down. In the middle of this primary epidermal lamina, you see those white lines? Yeah. Okay. Those there, I, I use their histologic, histological markers of the age of the cells. Basically. Oh, okay. okay. And I use them just to show you they're more, they're older cells than uh, the ones where you see all purple, purple there. Okay. Okay. And so I'll, that will come up later. Okay. okay. Go one more. So the next slide is the next one down is four or five millimeters further distally than the proximal one. And you see they're differently shaped. Yeah. Because what it is, the cells will start to uh, increase in size yep. compared to what it was in the first. And what's going to happen, they, they will, the grocery bag on the top is upside down and the bottom there, it's right side up. So these purple areas that are, nu are nuclear, they're going to migrate up to the middle of that and they're going to go towards the hoof wall. Okay. Okay. And what's going to happen, uh, and, if you, and if you look on the left-hand side, you see the, the, the shape of the lamina. They're specifically distinct because on the next slide, you'll see it's the same lamina, but see it's bigger. Yeah. Go, go back, just go back uh, uh, and go back one more. See, this is the same lamina, same magnification. It's at 40x. It's been magnified 400. And go one, go one more. And see, it's the same. It's, it's four or five millimeters further distally. So these cells are starting to mature. They get, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this one here, they're even bigger here. This is that section. So these cells are going to start to come out into the center of that, and they're going to go towards the hoof wall. Okay. So the wall is actually, it's kind of like if you had a room and you started putting up four um, pieces of uh, plywood, four by eight. Yep. And you, your partner was on the outside looking in, but you just, you could fill up that entire room, make it solid. And the one on the outside wouldn't know exactly anything about what's going on. And that's right. what happens with the hoof wall. All these cells are going to be made thicker. And it's going to make the hoof wall thicker. Does that make sense? Yes. It takes a while to think in, okay? Yeah, it does. I'm, I'm going to have to chew on this one for a while, I'm sure. Right. To go one more, there's one more section here. See, this, just flip back and forth, and you see this bottom one, D, is even... So this is this this is the same magnification that same magnification the same epidermal lamina from proximal to distal, and it's just getting bigger and bigger as we're going down. Right, because the, right. the cells are getting gone, say from a uh, say of a size of a dime to a size of a, uh, a basketball. So they're it's essentially getting, maturing as we're go as they're going down. Right, there's not to there's right this. There may be an increase in number of cells, but most of it is an increase in maturity. So the maturation process is going proximal to distal. And once they matured, they are going to the hoof wall. Okay, so here we have a bunch of immature cells up at the top. The, bur the purple there are just nuclei, and you don't really see any side of because they're so thin. They're so small. Right. And then as, it, as the wall is going, growing progressively down, these cells are maturing. And as they're maturing, they're getting bigger. Bigger they're getting bigger, that's helping increase the wall thickness. And once they're getting mature and bigger, then they're going to migrate to the hoof. Got it. Leave the lamp and go back to, go back, uh, keep going back. A couple, go upward, one more, one more, next one. This one here, that's why you see on the C, the lamina are, um, are shorter than they were at A. Yes. Because what it is, is uh, the, the hoof wall has gotten very thick here. At, at A, yep. it's beyond the, the magnification. And so what's happened here in C, you have mostly hoof wall there, 
but it's it's very short lamina and it's really short uh, thickness. Of, of the wall is thin here, but as they get uh, mature and everything like that, the wall is going to get very thick, and the lamina are going to get longer because not only is the wall going to think of it, the lamina are going towards the growing towards the hoof wall. I mean the coffin bone at the same time. So that's how the foot is getting bigger, uh, but it's. Yep. But it's, it's not growing down from the coronet. The, they're, they're produced at the coronet, they're filled with grocery bags, and it's migrating down. Then the process occurs at the, each level, so it's going down the foot. Okay, I got it. I think I got it. I'm, like that I said, that takes some time to think. But, that, but again, with all that, that is what happens when you have problems with the foot. These are, these are just basic mechanisms of these cells to migrate around my, and uh, uh, the, the keratinocytes. When they have the nuclei, they can migrate. Right. If you lose, if they don't have uh, the nuclei, they're dead. They don't migrate. When you when you're dead, you you're you don't right. move. So they're that's what they're doing. They're migrating. They're expanding, and they're moving toward the. Moving, that's what makes the wall thicker. Yep. Right. Okay. Keep going. All right. So this is a little higher power. On the uh, northeast part of the section is where you have the coffin bone. Okay. So, yep. so, South, uh, southeast, southwest is where the hoof wall is. Okay. Okay. I mentioned to you the in us pads, keypad pads, dog pads, and our fingers, soles, and hands, and everything. We have increased thickness. Yep. The horse's hoof has the other necessary thing they have to make are tubules. Okay. Tubules are like. Uh, uh, they're not iron bars and cement. They are there to, they're, they're flexible. They're like wet pieces of spaghetti, but they're trying to reduce the intramural stresses on the hoof, inside the hoof. Okay. That's why quite often when you have shoes on, quite often just above the shoe where you put nails in, you'll have cracks. Where you have cracks is there's a lot of stress in that, where that crack is. So you have to unload that for it to heal. Right. Okay. So what you have here is, at the uh, on the northeast, you have this apex of the primary epidermal lamina. Yeah. Immature cells. They're going to mature, get bigger, and then they're going to come out and going to go towards the hoof wall. Okay. So they're going to go south southwest. As you get down to the southwest, you see uh, uh, the the secondary epidermal lamina gets shorter and shorter and shorter in the lamina here. What's happening is it's kind of like a on a pool table. You have a a rack with the uh, pool balls. Mm -hmm. The basement membrane is like that rack keeps the pool, pool uh, balls together. Right. And if you lift that uh, rack, if you remove the basement, or the, base, the basement membrane is like a piece of string to me. So what you have in the southwest, you've just pulled tight that uh, basement membrane. So the cells all, same number of cells are there all under this uh, basement membrane, that's, but without, lam without lamina. Does that make sense? I think all right. I'm going to have all right. In the Northwest, you see all these secondaries, the grocery bags. Yep. And when you get down to the, further down to the uh, Southwest, you've emptied them all on the table. Okay. So, so the actual purple air is thicker than it is Northeast. Yes. Because, because on Northeast, they're in grocery bags. You've just emptied onto the table. Oh, okay. Okay, that's why it gets it. And what's happening now, these cells in the Southwest here, they're migrating, they're actually gonna form tubules. Okay. 
And so if you look at the, uh, where the cells migrating to the inner hoof wall are, just above that, you'll see two tubules that are forming. Uh, guide my pointer. Uh, go towards the yellow line, yellow bar. Uh, tubules, uh, the, white, the white area is what you want. That, all right, those are tubules there. There's one, that, there this tubule that's formed. The one to the right of that is, is, is formed. almost formed. So it's uh, dimpling here between the two. Yeah. And the one above that is on its way. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a tubule there that's going to form. But what you see is these uh, secondaries are coming down. And as they approach that, the, the basement membrane is just like a piece of string becomes straight. So all the cells are emptied onto the table. And that's why, they, that's why you don't have any secondaries uh, where the tubules are. Okay. The, the cells are still there, but they're migrating to actually create the tubule. Right. Okay. And right. what's going to happen? And so this, what is actually happening, this wall is getting thicker. Okay. Okay. So what's so happening is... They're becoming tubules. They are becoming tubules. Right. Tubules and so here be. where you start to see discreteness, they, they have become tubules. They've... Uh, right. Right. And if you uh, go back to the one you just saw, you were uh, right, right in the center of that, you see there's a small blood vessel. Yeah. There's an artery that comes down from the coronet. That's the peach fuzz of the coronet. There's an artery that comes down and the cells come out to envelope it. Okay. Okay. And that creates the tubule. Okay. Make a little like little balloons around the blood But so what it is, if, if you have your ceiling here. Yeah. Okay and you had a coffee can say you had a dozen yeah. coffee cans that were uh, open on both ends yep you put one coffee can on the ceiling yep all right that's a tubule okay a part of a tube and a blood vessel will come through the center of that then a little later you're going to have an an addition to that will be another coffee can you put the uh on top of that so that that tubule is coming growing the uh, growing is in quotes it's growing down from the corner but it's due to the coffee cans coming out from the lamina pieces of pipe that are added so eventually you're going to get a pipe from the ceiling to the floor so it's going it to make that tube it's making it, that it's making that too but it's not making it from cornet to, to ground it's making it from the lamina so it's the, adding the a piece of coming laterally and the tubes are being formed vertically and they're the lamina yeah, another you're adding a piece of pipe uh as you go towards the, the fall Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, All right. now with that, and again, we'll go back to your, yep. where we were. All right. So, so what it is, is these, you see the, the southwest area, the, the less uh, pink color. Yeah. So it's once this is formed here, all that pink color is going to disappear because the pink color is due to the nuclei. Right. So these cells are going to lose their nuclei and they're going to become white. They're going to become keratinized, what you see on the very southwest part, all that whitish part of the hoof. Yep. That is all keratin of, keratinocytes that have lost their nuclei. So that whole process is making the hoof wall thicker. Okay. okay. So it's, it's the same thing as the way we make a callus. It's these, these lamina are coming in and the, the tubes are being formed from the top and the lamina are coming in and kind of chaining together the cans to make the tubules. Make the tube. And, and the function of the tubules is to reduce the stresses yep. inside the wall. Yep. Okay. Okay. Right. Keep going. Okay. okay. I, I just want to let you know that I, ha I have to be done by five of six. 
So you have another 15 minutes. Okay, okay. Uh, so you see where the black rings are? Okay. <laughs> where the black rings are, tubules to be, okay? Okay. Okay. And where the pink is, those will become primary epidermal lamina. Okay. Okay. And again, again, this, they're not rigid structures. They're actually flexible. Keep going. We'll get through this. All right. <laughs> so at the, at the, the part, the apex, the tip of the um, lamina close to the bone, it's all immature structures. One of my earlier slides I mentioned, it's a very active site. That's where the immature cells are. They're very, and they're mature and they're going, and they're going filling up this primary epidermal lamina. And they be, that's why you get the whiteness there. They're losing their nuclei. It becomes thicker and that, 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 all that sort of stuff. Okay, keep going. And then you're going to form, you see where, where those uh, circles are, there's an artery in between. That is an artery that just grows down from the coronet. Right. Okay. And they meet up. Two, two strangers meet in the night. Okay. So you've got a vertical and a horizontal system. System, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Uh, all right. Now, see how smart you people are. <laughs> what it is, um, fortunately, when I was there, I had wonderful students. And you had like four sections, uh, uh, A, B, C, and D. And what I did is I had students take a section, A, B, C, and D, and I had them map out the same tubules on each subsequent section. Oh, wow. Yes, they're, they're awesome students. They, they, they did it, and I'm so ever so grateful to it. Because what it is, if they... When the first one is easy, you just pick them. But the second one, you had to find the same two wheels on the first one that you marked. Right. And, and if you did that, once you got, it's like a, a crossword puzzle or some sort of puzzle. Once you got, in, you got into it, it used to be, it got fun to be after all. Initially, they just cursed me, but <laughs> they're very nice. All right. And so what it is, you'll see, why I'm doing this is that you can never superimpose the same tubule on a more distal section. Oh. Okay, because they're moving. Remember, the, everyone knows that the hoof wall is viscoelastic. Yes. It's peanut butter and mover, and that's what it is because the, so the one tubule there, you could find that, but the adjacent ones to it would never superimpose on the same tubules around it was in the proximal structure because they're moving inside the hoof. Right. Okay, that's why stresses on the wall are very important. When you have horses that have all the weight on the hoof wall, uh, used to have fractures, cracks, and all that sort of stuff. You get a lot of uh, ridges and all that sort of. And most of them are just pressure ridges because they're they're too. The pressure is too great inside the wall for it to support the weight of the horse. Right. Okay. All right. Keep going. All right. This is a mind bender. What it is <laughs> on the left is a say the section at the red area, and the section on the right is a thinner one distal to that same section. What it is, is the, the, on the right you have this yellow uh, 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 area blocked off with tubules. Yeah. If I get this right now, is again, the tubules are being formed from the lamina. Okay, so these tubules that are in this yellow bracketed area here on the right, they're on the left just directly over it, okay? The ones marked on the left section in red here, they have been formed, but on the right-hand section, they haven't been created yet. Oh, okay. 
because the laminar are going to be shorter. There's going to be many more cells there. They have to migrate out of their grocery bags to form the tubules. So that's when the wall gets thicker. Okay. And if you do a lot of this, see these lamina on the right-hand side, the tubules are going to be closer together because uh, the cells are going to grow and they've got to finish maturation. They'll eventually get to where it is on the left-hand side. Okay. But this, uh, so these tubules, once they, are, this is a creation of the tubules. Once they are created, they do grow down from the cornet like toothpaste when you squeeze toothpaste out of a tube. Okay. But they are not created that way. They are created from the lamina. Wow. Okay. So okay. far, so good. So far, so good. I think so. Uh, I think, okay. I think it takes a while. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Go to the next one. We've mentioned the soul. The function of the lamina is to create tubules. In my opinion, not to suspend the horse. Okay. I have a bulletproof vest on, so I don't care. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what it is, what it is, these lamina here are sheets of paper where they come together to form a circle. They'll create tubules in the sole. And on the heels, they also, you can actually see them coming together and they're going to create hoof wall horn at the heels of the foot. Okay. Where your, where your black arrow is here. Okay. Yeah. And around the hoof wall, those lamina there are producing tubules for the hoof wall. Yep. And when you get to the white line, they're producing tubules. The hoof wall tubules are producing tubules. They're going to form the outer portions of the sole. Okay. All right. All right. So, so we've got tubules in the sole, in the wall. Tubules are everywhere in the foot. Of the exactly. Okay. That was kind of where I was going. Okay. Tubules right. are everywhere and they're formed from lamina. You need lamina to produce them, except in the frog. And the purpose of the, the frog, the tubules that are there, it's a softer horn. Right. Okay. They can't, they can't, these tubules, since I mentioned to you that wet spaghetti, yeah. they can't burrow through hard horn. That's how I look at it. They can't, as opposed to the frog. Okay. Okay. All right. The next slide. I, I'm going to. All right. This here, where the black is in the, on the left, that's what you see histologically on the southeast corner where the bars are. Those are the bars. Then you have lamina pointing out towards it. What's going to happen? These around the perimeter of that, you'll have different lam. Uh, the secondary, and there's also another branch of the. I can just call them tertiary. They're going to come together to create tubules. These two wheels are going to migrate towards the toe and towards the quarters. Okay. Okay. And, uh, uh, and if you've had horses that have lost their hooves with, as a result of laminitis, it, the hooves grow in from the bars, the sole grows in from the bars, and they will come down from the coronet. Okay. Okay. That's what they do. And, uh, and so those all right, one step for those people who, and this is just a higher, yeah, you can go to that one. This is just a higher power that you have the epidermal laminar of the, of the uh, primary epidermal laminar of the, of the bars. 
where you have the circles there are formed by secondaries. They have formed tools of the soul. They're going to migrate forward as well as to the quarters. Okay. That's why when you get a look, this is all about long total and soul. The soul is growing. It's like a conveyor belt. It's growing from the heels towards the toe. Yep. Okay. Uh, those horses that lose their, their hooves, the soul will come in from the bars. Okay. Okay. And uh, I forget what I was going to say. Okay. I'll go to the next. I can't, I can't remember. Okay. So this is a kind of a summary. So what's happening here is the, the diagram there. You have this, uh, you have the hoof wall and what it is, the arrows coming from it are, are they're going to make the wall thicker. Yep. Okay. They're going to create hoof wall, but also they're going to, they need to create tubules. That's why it happens. They don't grow, they can't grow down through that hardened hoof. Because again, the tubules are like wet spaghetti. Right. Okay. And, uh, and this, this here, what you see here, these are the A and B are the same laminar ones, proximal and ones distal. Right. So the cells, so it's a, it's a, uh, not much cell division occurs beyond the coronet. I don't have a problem with that. But what happens is once they are formed, they uh, get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they start the migrating. Right. And once they've migrated to the site, they lose their nuclei and they become the keratinized hoof. Got it. That is, Chris, continue. Okay. It's the same. Oh, it's the same. It's the same thing. All right. So, what you, yeah, this is uh, an example. Those of you trim, the pigment is, uh, is, uh, is just pigmented melanocytes like we have when we go out and get tan or whatever, is they are between the cells the keratinocytes and the melanocytes spit out pigment and is gobbled up by the keratinocytes. And you can use the keratinocytes to show where the, the growth is actually going. And what you, if you could look at the one on the left and the one on the right, it's the same foot. Okay. You see how concentrated, uh, it's, I forget the differences. There's, there's several months difference in the trimming. What you see uh, uh, near the heels, you see the sole pigment. What you see on the right-hand side, see how it's spread out? Yeah. Shows you where that soul is migrating. Okay. It goes from the bars forward as well as towards the quarters. And it varies over a much longer period of time than coronet down. Oh, this one here, just so uh, someone asks me that sometime. Um, on the one on the right, you see the little bit of reddish at a seven o'clock position? Yes. You can follow that around. This horse also had laminitis. You can follow where it's a, a whiter sole as well as a more yellowish sole. Yeah. Where that border is, that's where that horse is breaking over when we've trimmed it. So we've come through the white line as well as the part of the sole. Because we're trying to get the one frog on the left to be like the one on the right. And what is picture this just happened to... Uh, break shed part of its frog before we do it. But this part of the frog is crucial to the foot. Do not trim the frog. Ferries and Fetz are saying that late 1800s, do not trim the frog or the sole under any conditions, okay. which I kind of agree with. But you see here, if you, from the apex, on the right-hand side, from the apex of the frog to the tip of the frog, the frog is too long. When you see where the breakover is, it's getting close, where the border, it's getting close to where you want it to be. That when you see that it's because the frog is getting bigger, right? 
So you know you're doing something right, a frog gets bigger, because the frog is getting bigger without you touching it. Right. And when you touch the frog, it gets smaller. Okay, I don't know if I have any more, I can't remember. Oh, oh, they talk about viscoelastic. Yep. Sorry, as um, this here, if you put a weight, viscoelastic is like peanut butter, okay? If you put a weight on a branch, take a picture of it and come back, uh, a few hours later, the branch will start to get lower and lower and lower because all the cell, uh, tree cell products and everything like that are moving past each other. That's what viscoelastic means. It's peanut butter. And the tubules there prevent uh, the stresses. So they're actually moving with the hoof wall. And I think I have a couple more. Uh, nope, that's nope. it. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> We're um, doing good. Um, so... Uh, let me just see. I know I have a question on the Q and A. Um, with a hoof, with a horse that is foundered and the hoof is remodeled, bone loss. With the bone, will the bone come back to somewhat normal once the problem has been resolved? It depends. What it, all right, bone? What it is? It's made up of uh, uh, calcium, which everyone knows, and is a bone protein. It's kind of like. A, if you had a, a block of putty, that's the bone protein, and you put M&Ms, um, uh, those are the calcium products. Mm -hmm. If you embedded that into the bone, that would make a, a strong bone. Mm -hmm. Now, if you start to lose the calcium, if the, uh, and that's all you've lost, and once you get stronger, the bone will come back to be its normal shape. However, if you start to lose, with laminitis, if you start to lose some of the bone protein, the, that won't be replaced because you, you, your, your putty or whatever is, is, is gone. Okay. So. Um, someone's looking for a book or a manual on how to trim to the white line step by step. step. Do you know of such a book? There isn't anyone. I, I, in my webinar, didn't I do it where I had a... I think you, we did talk about it, so uh, I would recommend that you go back and look at the previous webinars. Um, and I think I have if, for the trimming that from the soul. If you are unsure of yourself, just take the wrath fine side, and on Monday, do uh, one or two swipes across from ten to two, and you're going to remove a fraction of the soul and the white line and a little bit of the hoof. Come back in three or four days do it again, and you'll get a little bit of confidence, then you'll start to angle more towards the hoof wall and to the Y. The Y line is quite thick. Yep. And I think that's the less is more approach. If you just do a little bit at a time yeah. frequently, better than a whole yeah. lot. Because what you, you allow the inside of the foot to change. That's right. what you're after, yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. All right, Bob, we have blown through just about two hours. I think I have one more oh, question. Okay. Uh, would you would you argue that even barefoot horses should mainly be ridden on softer ground due to vibrations? For, if you, you can, the vibration is harmful. It really is, uh, uh, and if that's why I, I think I always say shoes are bad. But if you have shoes on a beach, you probably won't get any navicular and all that because the sand, the ground, and everything like that is going to uh, dissipate a lot of the vibration and that sort of stuff. All right. Well, well, Bob, I think you've filled everybody's cup and overflowed that glass of wine, and they're probably going to need two or a straw. Three. You need a straw for the wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, you know, this I'm is good. great, 
And um, I, I'm going to have to kind of soak on this a little bit too. I, I, I and we'll, we'll need to come back again, of course, and just kind of like review this again when people have had a chance to soak on it. So now that your internet's working, I'll probably come back in about a month. Let everybody okay, kind of okay. soak yeah. on it. Right. And, and yeah, we'll it's, it's nice to have internet. I usually I turn it on. I wouldn't know if it would come up or when I'd be gone. It's just a, it's that's fabulous. the problem we live in the country. You know? Yeah, yeah, really stable, and it's been it's just such a pleasure, and and it's so. Um, I mean, I know it's a lot. I kind of feel like I've gone back to college, but it's really good information. And I think it's so important for people to start thinking about how the structures are forming in that foot. And that way they can understand what's going on. So I, I just want to thank you so much for, for making yourself available and working so hard to get the internet after it. And, and my own belief, I'm not convinced we're trimming the foot right. I mean, that's just a broad general statement. So it's just a, for the horse, you know. Um, people want to know if you're available for consults. I am. Depends on how many there are. Yes. Okay. Um, and how can they reach out to you to have a consult? My internet, my email. Okay. And that is? I'm not going to give it up. <laughs> okay. All right. So no, if no, they want to get no, touch, no, it, how it, do we do it? It's, it's RMB, PhD. Yep. Robert, PhD at gmail.com. You got you, it right. If you're full up, you can just ignore them. Oh, that's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yep. So we've asked him if he does consultations. The answer is yes, but you're going to have to email him. And, um, you know, there's going to be a limited number because Bob's got a lot of other things to do. <laughs> He's yes, yeah, yeah. investigating for us. And um, we'll bring him back again for another really interesting webinar. And like I said, thank you so much, Bob. And just remember, you can review all of these webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. So go back and watch his previous webinars again. I think it'll all start to make more sense if you just review it. Yes, keep you going over it. Yes, you do. Yep. No, yep. No. And we'll just keep adding to the body of knowledge. So thank you so much, Bob. I'm just really, uh, it's, I put it in the chat. So Ronna, go look in the chat to find his, his email address. And um, I've got to tune out because I got a six o'clock meeting. So I oh, like, okay. Okay. Yes. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yep. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Yeah.